A quick note, this podcast deals with fertility problems and assisted conception, which might be sensitive themes for some listeners. I was 30 when I first went to the doctor and said, I want to have a baby and I want to do it on my own. It was a big decision. I think for me as the mother, it was a big decision to shift my thinking from me being the biological mother to using somebody else's egg. I was in it for, I guess, to give someone else the joy of having kids. Hello, I'm Jess and welcome to Modern Babies, a podcast about the different ways of starting a family brought to you by Jenea. While the end goal may be the same, everybody's journey to starting a family is unique. And the reality is one in six couples will face a fertility issue along the way. In this mini season, we're touching on some of the common areas of fertility treatment by calling on experts, doctors and patients from our previous seasons. Consider this the tip of the iceberg and as we go along, I'll point you to where to go to dig a little deeper. In some cases, using your own eggs, sperm or embryos might not be possible. Over this episode, we'll be hearing from Holly, Emily and Joe, three women with unique stories around egg and sperm donation, as we go over how the process works in Australia, whether you're doing it with a partner or going it alone. If you are looking for advice on fertility or IVF yourself, you can visit jenea.com.au to request an appointment with one of their fertility specialists or to speak with a fertility advisor. There are a range of tests that a fertility specialist will recommend for you and your partner, if you have one, to see if your own eggs or sperm will be viable. If you learn that this might be the case, or if you're a single or LGBTQ parent, then donation is one path you may consider taking. But where do you start? After years of struggling to conceive naturally and four unsuccessful rounds of IVF, Emily and her husband found themselves in this position. I thought about a few things and I took consultation from my fertility specialist on how to select the right donor. And for me, I thought about choosing someone who was younger, obviously, that would have a lot of eggs that they would produce in their stimulated cycle as well as good quality eggs. And someone that looked a little bit like me, you know, had dark eyes and dark hair, etc., Through the process of selecting the donor, we get all of the information on that person. So we get their medical background, their parents, their grandparents, things like, you know, have they studied? What do they do today? What are their hobbies? So you get sort of like an education background, medical, as well as their likes and dislikes and what do they like as a person. Donor eggs and sperm can be purchased from egg and sperm banks here in Australia or overseas. There are costs involved and in some cases waiting lists. Alternatively, you could use a known donor who might be someone amongst your family, friends and acquaintances or who you find through the internet or advertising. Having a known sperm donor was important to Holly as she started her journey solo parenting. I was 30 when I first went to the doctor and said, I want to have a baby and I want to do it on my own. First of all, I had to look for a donor. I wanted a known donor ideally because I wanted my child to have some kind of interaction with them over the years. I wanted the child to be able to call them up and ask them questions about their genetic history and, you know, the family background. I wanted them to be able to talk to each other occasionally, maybe see each other on, you know, birthdays and Christmas or something like that. And I wanted it to be someone that the child could be proud to be related to. And ideally that would be someone who I had some kind of friendship with as well. But unfortunately I didn't know that many men. (laughs) So I ran out of people quite quickly. I asked my sister if she knew any men because you know, my resources were limited. And eventually she, she said, yeah, this friend of mine, she was living overseas and a friend of hers was really keen. He was gay. So we went through quite a long process of getting to know each other online and Skyping and texting and things. 
and it was going to be complicated because he was overseas, but it was possible. And then just as we were about to, you know, I was about to book his flight over here, really, this really old friend of mine said, no, I always wanted it to be me. (laughs) And I said, but you said years ago that you didn't want to do that because you wanted to be a parent. And I was just looking for an uncle role with my donor. And he said, oh, no, I've changed my mind. So, yeah, that's how I found my donor. (laughs) Let's talk about the legalities of all this. Back in the day, egg and sperm donation in Australia was far less regulated, but these days there's stricter federal and state legislation as well as industry requirements. In Australia, egg and sperm donation treatment is regulated by state legislation, industry requirements, guidelines set by the National Health and Medical Research Council, as well as clinic policies and protocols. So essentially, what can and can't be done might vary between locations and clinics, but there are a few key things to be aware of. First, in Australia, you can't pay donors for their eggs, sperm or embryos other than covering any of the costs that they might have incurred in actually making the donation. And that's regardless of whether the donor is Australian or if you're sourcing the eggs, sperm or embryos from overseas. And even if you're selecting a donor on a database, they can't be completely anonymous. It's important for both medical and psychosocial reasons that a child is able to know his or her genetic origins. And in Australia, the donor's information can be released to the conceived person once they turn 18, if they wish to know. There are also regulations in place that limit the total number of families that one individual donor can create to between 5 and 10, and that includes the donor's own family. So there's a lot to go over, and people intending to have a child through donor eggs, sperm or embryos must have counselling to go over these regulations and legalities, but also to support you emotionally. Because, as Emily learned, for many people, coming to the decision to use a donor is not easy. It was a big decision. I think for me as as the mother, it was a big decision to shift my thinking from me being the biological mother to using somebody else's egg. When you think about the size of the egg and the size of the embryo even and what that contains, and then as you're carrying the baby, everything of yours is pumping through that child. So everything you digest, all of the nutrients that you're taking in are passing through to the child through the amniotic fluid and all of your blood is also pumping through your emotions, everything that you feel and you experience during that pregnancy passes on to the child. If you're using donor eggs or sperm from a bank, you will typically have one counselling session with your partner if you have one. And if, like Holly, you know your donor, they'll have a session with their partner too. And then you'll all attend a joint session. This will basically go over what the legal regulations are, as well as what the emotional journey might be like for both sides. My donor and I each had a counselling session on our own with the counsellor and then we met together and saw the counsellor together and that was mostly just to check that we were both on the same page with the agreement, what kind of relationship we would have once the child was born and the red tape stuff like what happens if he dies, can I still use the sperm, those sorts of things. And then we signed a, from my understanding, it's a watertight contract where he has absolutely no legal right to ever seek custody of my child and I have absolutely no right in return to ever ask him for maintenance for the child. This stuff is important on the donor side too. It's generally recommended that egg donors should be under the age of 35 and have already completed their own families. And depending on your situation and relationship with the donor, you can then work out how much, if any, contact that you have with them ongoing. So let's hear what it's like from the donor side now. After having her own children, Jo donated her eggs to help another family have a healthy baby. 
I had certain things that I wanted out of this as well and as did she. So I, and that was basically a question, you know, what do you want out of this? And my answer was, you know, I, I don't want to interfere in your life at all. Uh, I gave you genetic makeup and for me, she gave that child a heartbeat. So I don't feel any connection towards the, the child or her, you know, as a mother itself. And I just said, I, I'm more interested to see what the child looked like. So I just said a photo every year I'd love and a photo on its birthday was, was the request. And then, you know, we don't have to catch up for coffee or anything like that. No money can change hands as well you're not allowed to accept money off them. And I definitely wasn't in it for the money at all. I was in it for, I guess, to give someone else the joy of having kids, you know, and I had friends at the time that were struggling for children. And I thought it's just, is an amazing gift to give someone the chance to, to have a child. And, and she had two. A bit like Holly with her known donor, Jo has kept in touch with the family she donated her eggs to. Every time I speak to her, she says, thank you so much for what you've done. I just kind of think, oh, well, it's just, it's just an egg. The way I look at it is I didn't give that child life. I didn't give it a heartbeat. I gave her ingredients to grow it herself. And I think if you're that type of person and there, there's not a lot out there, I know a couple of people have strong opinions on it, don't want to do it. I've had a few negative comments, which is hurtful. But yeah, I don't, again, I don't see them as my child. You know, I think they're, they're going to grow up in a fantastic family. And if you can do that and give someone else the joy of what your own kids give you is just amazing. It just feels so good. And Emily's story ended happily as well with beautiful baby Oliver. I absolutely don't regret it. We have a beautiful 13-month-old boy today, Oliver. And from the day that he was born, I'm going to get emotional. From the day that he was born, he was my baby, you know. And he has a lot of traits of me, which is really interesting as well, where just how he sits, which my mum said is how I sat when I was little. And there are things where I look at him and I think, yeah, gosh, that's so similar to me. And then, of course, there are a lot of attributes that are similar to my husband, but I'm extremely grateful to the donor for what she has done for us. But I also do believe that Oliver is mine and he is, he's my little boy. He, I'm his mum and everything that happened pre-birth as well as from birth is going to be a connection that we have. And it's that whole nurture thing from now on for him to become himself and, you know, his own little person. I think it's a decision that I would never take back or change and we've absolutely done the right thing. There's nothing quite like it. For more information about using donated eggs and sperm and for information on the donor side, visit jenea.com.au. You can also request an appointment with one of Jenea's fertility specialists and listen to past episodes of the Modern Babies podcast. Holly, Joe and Emily shared their full stories with us in episode six of season two. On our next episode, we'll talk about what happens when a pregnancy ends unexpectedly. Sadly, miscarriage is not uncommon and we'll be calling on the experts to ask why, as well as hearing from two women with their own personal stories of pregnancy loss. 